0: And welcome to episode 78 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Simon, Pale Robbie on the boards. Joining me today is the baby maker, Derek Heemsbergen.
1: That is not something I expected to be called at any point in my lifetime, especially not now. But, <laughs> hey, what's up? I'm Derek. I played Conception 2, and it's kind of
0: balls. <laughs> okay, here we go. This is going to be a fun episode, I can already tell. Uh, all right, and then we also have Stephen Meyerink. He Taylor's on the boards. I have no defining features whatsoever. Your defining
1: features—you just had a schnarfs.
0: Oh my still, god, it was so good. And we can still hear it in the background, like we can hear the crunching, the crinkling, yeah, crinkle, crinkle. I'm crinkle. sorry, I'm starting to. What is mute schnarfs? Myself. For those who yeah, don't what know, what is a It's an awesome sandwich shop, and they have like terrifying-looking artwork on the walls.
1: I, I feel like I want to go there just for the name. Like that convinces me. Schnarf. They make some of the best sandwiches I've ever had. You know there there's a place here in Tucson that's called Chiba Hut and it's like a stoner themed sandwich place where they do nothing but play reggae and have stoner memorabilia all over the go walls on. but their sandwiches are damn good every time i go there i'm like i'm out of my element but i don't give who, it, i don't i don't care
0: who it's else delicious. would you want to have
1: make your sandwiches
0: right that's well, true.
1: They, they know what's delicious i guess
0: see in pittsburgh we had permane's and that was my favorite it was like that the guys that had the fries built into the sandwich which was what? just awesome yeah, i know it's like How do I get that. that's like that's like junkyard dogs that's my favorite thing to get it oh it's yeah. so good well, are we gonna have fries? good pl- are we gonna have good places to eat at e3 you guys are gonna have to take care of me like i'm a burger and fries kind of guy do you
1: want me to feed you? Do you want to open up for the airplane, baby Rob? Oh no! And then I'll do play the. Tar- do you oh. want to eat on Dark Souls mode?
0: <laughs> I'll eat. I'll eat my breakfast. Dark Souls mode. Come no. and get it.
1: No, we'll, yeah, we'll go eat places. You're just making the readers, or not the reader. Well, I guess the readers as well. The listeners intensely jealous.
0: That yeah, we're going to eat We're gonna, to gonna go to. We're gonna go to <laughs> the crack chicken place that we always go to. We're oh, go crack go to chicken. Sp- oh we're yeah, gonna I heard you we're guys talk about. gonna go to Spot Bar this. too. Spot Bar is great too. Heck yeah. Let me me give you realistic expectations, Rob. Cracked chicken is like a six out of 10 on the chicken scale, but it's more you go there for the atmosphere.
1: (laughs) Which is to say, there may or may not be homeless people outside Um, asking you for food or inside. (laughs) Uh, Free refills, and uh, you get chips and salsa and like chicken, fried chicken. So, I mean, whatever you want.
0: This definitely sounds fun. I am. It's all there. I'm getting excited. It feels like it's getting ready to happen. It like, is getting
1: to happen. It's less than two months away.
0: I know. I'm just so excited. So Which leads us into our topic video games. Ah, no, like, yes. Is that yeah. why we're here? Yeah, well, you know. So I just wanted to take a second. Like, uh, PAX East happened this past weekend, and uh, none of us went because we're all poor and apparently not near the Boston area. No, but we're anywho. For E3. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what were some of the games that you guys were really, really excited seeing at at PAX East? Like, there was a lot of really awesome coverage, a lot of really good videos thrown up online. Like, what what were some of the games that just blew you guys away? Hyper Chasm, Light below Hyperlight Hyper Drifter. Yeah.
1: <laughs> all of those things. I agree with all of those things.
0: Chasm did look really good. Seeing that emotion, like, got me excited for that game. Kind of a. Nice two D Metroidvania. I know we we love those around here, but it's a procedurally generated dungeon, isn't it? Yeah, but there are like rooms that are like set like rooms with puzzles in them and rooms with traps in them, like that get configured throughout the rest of the randomized areas. I actually played it at, at um, Magfest, and it was awesome. Cool, cool. You also mentioned Below, which was like my secret holy crap game that I saw at PAX. Um, that game's art style is just bananas like this idea of having such a small main character on the screen to really emphasize like the scale kind of had a little bit of a shadow of the colossus feel in that respect like feeling very very small in the environment and th- that just i don't know something about that I just want to see that like up on a big screen like playing just looked really fantastic and of course yeah. hyperlight drifter
1: man everything about how hyperlight drifter looks appeals to me like on every level it's that it, it's like you were saying earlier, Rob, it's got that mix of um, like it's colorful, but it's somber and it just feels really atmospheric and moody mm-hmm. just from the footage I've seen. And, and I really like the music that I've heard that they've sampled. It just yeah. it looks it looks gorgeous. Like I I'm a huge pixel art buff, I guess, if you want to call me. I don't know what else to call myself a fan. Um, I, I just love, love, love pixel art. Um, and if it's well done and smooth, like it looks in Hyperlight Drifter, I'm all over that. Sold. I'm really glad I backed it.
0: Yeah, Look it looks that. it looks really, really good. And, you know, it's got multiplayer. It looks hard. I think that was the thing that kind of surprised me. Yeah, was, I'm
1: cool with that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it looks like you have to be on your toes. Real fluid battle system. I, you know, th- we're seeing a lot of these games that are taking things from, you know, our childhood. We We grew up in, like, the Nintendo, Super Nintendo era. And so we're seeing those kinds of ideas now put forth in a more modern setting. And that's mm-hmm. a really positive thing right now. I mean... Yeah, the indie movement is here. It's got some really cool stuff going on, and we're not trying to be pretentious here. We're not saying that indie games are the end-all, be-all, but it's a really exciting time. But they're fantastic, and if you choose to skip them just because they're indie, you're wrong. (laughs) Well, he, ladies and gentlemen, that was Stephen Myring. Uh, Talus on the boards. Just saying. Not Pale Robbie. You know what? if you want to say indie games, yo, know, I don't like indie games because X reason, that's fine, but well, you're indie wrong. Indie a genre. Indie you, Exactly, and that's that's the thing. When you go I don't like indie games because I don't like indie games. That's like saying I don't like every single genre of game because of some arbitrary descriptor the internet put on it. Yeah, there's a wealth of genres in the indie scene that I really like. Um, There were also some really good AAA games that I saw at PAX East as well. I mean, uh, there was a lot of uh, Hubba Hubba Baloo made over uh, the Evil Within demo, but I am still really excited for that game. I thought the trailer looked fantastic. It really does look like Resident Evil 4 too. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really exciting things now, but because we've had this like... Wealth of indie games being made and now they're starting to release. We're getting like, you know, boom, one after another, just these really big indie game releases as my cat jumps up onto my lap and I take, hey, kitty. And I take off his bell so that that way we do not hear him. Okay. Um... You know uh, these games are finally starting to come out. Wasteland 2 is getting ready to come out. Hyperlight Drifter keeps getting pushed back, and it breaks my soul a little bit. We got Transistor coming out in May, and that game looks amazing. Yeah, like,
1: it really does.
0: I didn't realize that that had a turn-based system that you could switch on. I was like, oh, it's actually that's actually how you solve puzzles. Like you have to do certain things in a certain order with enough of your time meter. Yeah, that's uh, great. Uh, Galaxy looks really, really. Yes. Cool. Oh,
1: I. Wait, love, what? Yeah, I love. Shoot 'em ups. Yeah,
0: so Galaxy much. is
1: the oh sh- right, 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 right. the
0: Shogun guys, 17-bit. Yeah, that looked really good. I there's just so many so many cool games coming out right now that, and you know, they're coming to consoles now, which is really awesome. You can play things like Spelunky, Rogue Legacy is coming on Vita very soon. It's just a really cool time to be a gamer, and you know, for I, I think the listeners also have to keep in mind that for a lot of us, this is a really fun nostalgic moment for us. I mean, Shovel Knight. Looks like Mega Man and DuckTales combined. Oh,
1: I can't wait for that either. That's, like, and that should be out any time. I was actually just checking their Twitter yesterday because I was like, wasn't that... Because it was, it was due out March 31st and they were like, we need to push it back by a couple weeks. Yeah. So I was like, it's been a couple weeks, where is it? Where is it, yeah. it now? Uh, but I guess
0: it's still a couple weeks out from, from now even. We're getting our first Unreal 4 game in two weeks in uh, Daylight, which is a procedurally generated oh, right, title. Right. Uh, the Forest looks like it looks like a 3D version of Don't Starve and looks creepy as hell it's just a really cool time to be a gamer right now and it's, it's really, it's almost overwhelming to an extent of like all these games getting ready to come out and then we got the big AAA releases coming too it's, I'm excited guys I am too I'm really excited. I'm also excited it's, there's, a, there's more stuff we can ever you hope to play, play.
1: yep, yeah, so, and there's stuff for everybody too you
0: know, so every st- genre unless no, so you don't like indie games so after speaking so positively about video games, Derek, tell us about Conception 2. It's the
1: worst <laughs> game I've ever played. No, it's not really. Um, so I just reviewed Conception 2 Children of the Seven Stars. Electric boobies. It's a game where you romance anime girls and ask them to have your magical star babies by exchanging star energy and such little so,
0: fact that's how i asked jackie to marry me Is right. i asked
1: her to, to have my star babies that's actually how i was born but um <laughs> so i'll i'll start that's by saying, fascinating uh, yeah right you you should hear the rest of the story um <laughs> i'm actually i i am so not a prude i'll start by saying that um,
0: if you think Derek is a prude, you made a mistake.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, it was, it was brought up by somebody that um, my review was prudish in their eyes. Um, although I will say, actually, uh, I think our community is awesome. Um, we had a, a pretty good discussion going on in the forums, and I feel like a lot of people were very respectful, um, regardless of their side on the issue, or you know, regardless of their feelings on conception 2's thematic material. But, I would agree. Um, yeah. So, like, I don't, you know, I don't think the game is offensive at all. I just think it's not a good game. Um, I don't <laughs> think it's the worst game I've ever played. I mean, I was obviously joking when I said that, but I, I just think that it's it's not very good at anything it does. Um, like, it very clearly is trying to emulate Persona Four um, from the the sharp colors and the art style and stuff down to like the dating simulation stuff and the random dungeon crawling. Um, like, it it's it wants to be Persona Four, but it absolutely fails. Um, again, it's not it's not like I wouldn't say it's painful to play or anything. It's just, all right, so so the the main hook of the game, like I said before, is that you're... It's a, kind of like a visual novel dating simulation kind of thing. So you're playing as this guy who transfers to this academy um, called the Terra Academy. Uh, apparently in, this, in the game's world, kids between the ages of 16 and 18 occasionally manifest this thing called a star brand on their hands. Um, it shows that they've been chosen by the star god to go and... Um, fight against these forces of evil that are spawning out of these dusk circles that are like evil labyrinths. So you can think of it almost like, you know, if Persona 3's Tartarus was split up into several different places all over the world. So they, they go to this academy if they're chosen by the Star God or whatever. And the male and female uh, students have to quote-unquote classmate together, which means basically they're just exchanging like a magical energy that's present within their bodies. And it's not, like they try to make it sound really gross. Um, and it's, it's not that bad. Like, yeah, the scenes where they happen have some... They have suggestive cutscenes scenes where, like, the girls are... They're like... First of all, they talk about it grossly. They're like, I hope I please you in the class mating ritual. And, like, it's not that sexuality to me is bothersome at all. I just feel like it's treated in a really juvenile way. That's like, it's so funny, haha. But it's... I mean, it's... I get that they were going for humor, but I just think it's kind of weird. But anyway, so they have these cutscenes where the girls are like Sailor Moon transformation style silhouettes where they have no detail, but you can just see like the outlines of their bodies, and they're writhing about, and there's cheesy jacks, uh, jazz music in the background and stuff. But once you have these little class ceremonies, then you give birth to they give birth to star children, which are... And by give birth, I mean like they pour their energy into a thing called a star womb, and then out pops a little chibi character called a star child so we, what the point of this is is you take these little star children with you into dungeons they're basically like um they i mean they're party members but uh they function as like there's three of them in, in a unit that makes up one party member so you can mix and match different star child classes like magician cleric fighter whatever um to make your extra party members and that's how you go and you fight monsters um i feel like i'm a little bit all over the place here hopefully i'm not too hard to follow so far so basically, like, so the the two main parts of this game are you're dating the girls and trying to win their affections. Because the higher your affection with them, the stronger your magic star babies. And then once you have the star children, then you go into the dungeons and you just fight battles and get to the bottom and fight the boss. Now, the problem is that, A, almost all of the girls are kind of unlikable. Like, they have some depth definitely once you actually start to get to know them but every single one of them presents themselves as just a complete caricature like oh my god i'm the tsundere girl you're such a baka or like you know i i'm so insecure i feel like i don't have any skills when i need a man to to validate me
0: you know i I don't mean to cut you off but that's that's something that kind of annoys me about a lot of like mass-produced anime right now like they've Businesses have figured out that there is a formula to things that people like. And that, that, you know, there's nothing wrong with capitalizing on that, but it creates those tropes. And by presenting those tropes, it's just, it's such a crutch to writing that I don't like. And that's like, we made a point in the boards, like somebody was comparing it, saying, like, oh, why does this game get railed for having, you know, juvenile humor when South Park doesn't? And I'm like, the South Park, and and I, I made this point, the South Park game executes its humor really well. And it isn't just strictly perverse humor. It's just, like, really bizarre satire and stuff. Whereas from what you told me and what I've seen of this game, it's just it, – it it's aiming for this type of humor, but it isn't funny. So it's, like, that's why it's getting railed. It's not getting railed right. because it's, like, oh, we don't like this game because it's pervy. No, we don't like it because it's stupid. Is right. it is it maybe not funny because of the cross, like uh, – the cross-cultural cultural – na- yeah, the cultural nature of it. Like- I don't
1: – I don't think so, so much as it is. It's just incredibly one note. Like, I, I am not... Again, I'm not a prude. Like, I'm not bothered by any kind of sexual material whatsoever. Like, but the fact that every joke in the game is like, oh my god, you accidentally grabbed my boob. Or, you know, I'm so embarrassed about the class meeting because Senpai noticed me. Like, it, it just... It's so incredibly fixated on in repeating the same kind of joke over and over that it's not funny to me. Like, the reason why Persona 4 is successful, when it be, even though it has instances of that kind of humor every now and then, is because it's actually I, – I, I feel pretentious when I use the word juxtaposed. But it's juxtaposed with actual funny, like actual humor, that like actual other kinds humor of humor, I guess, right? right like character development because again and also like a lot of the girls their costumes are um, like their battle costumes are pretty sexualized and that in itself doesn't bother me it's that they're really shallow their personalities are incredibly shallow
0: mm-hmm. so
1: i feel like they're presented as a body first and a person second and that's why that's why i have an issue with it like it's not it's that just, it's yeah it's
0: low-hanging fruit you know it's not that it, it's there was not a lot of effort into compelling writing it was just like oh here look It's like dick and fart jokes. They're the lowest common denominator. Yeah. Right. Um, And, like, those are fine if you can make them funny. There are plenty of instances where I've laughed at those kind of jokes, but there are a lot more where I haven't because if you execute them lazily or don't have some sort of creativity to it or something compelling to it, then why would would I care? There are a million other ways I can get this kind of humor.
1: Right. And it also needs to be mixed in with other jokes (laughs) like it cannot be the same joke over and over because that's just beating your head into a wall and it's not like if it's not funny the first time it's not funny the next 15 times yeah um so more so than the humor in the game which was not to my taste i can understand that some people maybe like some people might think that's funny that's fine i don't begrudge them for that um the main problem with the game the number one problem with the game in fact is that it's not fun um of course that's my opinion that's me that's subjective but The dungeons are so bland. They're like, again, I'm going to use the Tartarus example. If you took Tartarus and took any kind of interesting elements out of it, it or like every dungeon is a palette swap of the last. And when I say palette swap, I mean, it's like the same structure with different textures on the walls and different colors. I mean, it is literally like they're the exact same room shapes, hallway shapes. Um, You just go through square rooms and rectangular hallways until you get to the next floor. And it is super boring. Mm -hmm. Um, you can see enemies on the map but some of them you can't avoid because they're in front of they're like positioned in front of doors so you have to fight them Um, and I wouldn't mind that so much if the combat was fun but again it's not really Um, the combat is turn based and it has I'll say three systems at play it has a directional weakness system where you like when you input a command you choose which direction you want to attack the enemy from like front back left or right um, different enemies have different weaknesses. Like some are vulnerable from the back, which you might, which is like most expected, I guess. Or some are vulnerable from only the left, or whatever. So by hitting them from the correct side, you do extra damage. Okay, so that's pretty. That's pretty easy to grasp. And then there's also um, ether density and chain break. So those two basically amount to the exact same thing. Ether density is just if you. Um, play effectively and it's actually like if you don't hit weak spots if you hit enemies either when they're winding up for an attack or from the wrong direction quote unquote your ether density will go up um, I think chain break I don't know but um, it just makes your party faster that's all it means um, you can get it up to level three and the higher your density the faster you go chain break is like the reverse for enemies if you hit them the correct way they become increasingly chained and once you hit once your gauge goes up enough they get they get like chain broken or whatever and then they're slower so you can keep attacking them. So those all those things do is manipulate speed. Like ether density makes you faster, chain breaks makes enemies slower. And I just I felt like that was a really boring and not risky there. I mean there's there's very little risk reward, I feel like. Um because you can I mean, I was just auto battling constantly. Like the damage increase from attacking weak spots was so minimal that I just didn't it didn't matter. I just, I did most battles on auto attack and you can fast forward, which is a nice addition that I really appreciate. Um, like it's all a Braylee default. Um, but I was just auto battle, fast forwarding everything. Like, it's just, it's so boring. I I don't understand what went wrong (laughs) in their development of that battle system. I feel like they had some good ideas, but it really just didn't, it didn't work for me. Um, again, it's not like the worst game I've ever played, but, uh, the, the, the battles in the dungeons are, are so unfun to me that I couldn't justify any of the humor or like, you know, the, the dating sim material because, well, the characters weren't compelling and I didn't want to take uncompelling characters into dungeons and the dungeons are boring. So to me, you know, it was a game that, that just lacked something in just about every
0: area. Well, you make a good point. You know, you'd say it's not the worst game in the world. That's not damnable in itself, but we were just talking about how many options people have to play games now. So why, play, why would you play this mediocre one when there are plenty at that same price point and less that offer a similar experience that are better? Yeah. And, like, you know, it, it's not like it's hard to find a turn-based RPG, and better ones even. And that's actually something that I've seen people talking about a lot in regards to the Tales series lately. And, like, just in general, I'm getting really sick of this, like, uh, I think uh, Lightning Returns kind of did it, too, where... JRPGs are now focusing so much on their social elements and their battle elements that they're forgetting that the dungeons that you do those things in need to be good too. Oh yeah, like, I would agree with that completely. Like there are like look at like Tales of Xillia. Every single dungeon is just a different kind of hallway. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Look at Final Fantasy Thirteen. It's very pretty, but there's no dungeon design yeah, to it. I look would at, say
1: that it's especially about Bravely Default, and I know you really like that. No, but. no, no.
0: I agree completely. Like Bravely Default. I like the combat system a lot. And I don't, I don't think this makes the game like this destroys a game on its own, but you know, it, it also like what happened to dungeons like golden sun where, you know, you have all these crazy cool powers and you're solving oh, puzzles.
1: Like, like you too.
0: yeah, exactly. Or like wild arms where, you know, every character has an ability. And so getting around that. is this sort of like, you know, it's, it's a puzzle, not just, I have to run through this hallway to kill stuff. And it's, it's, I know it's a design thing, but, you know, level design is important even in RPG. And I'm it, and Conception sounds like it does that thing that I don't like. Because I would say the only weak point of Persona 4 is the dungeons. They're cool. They look pretty. But, they're, but they are random. They're just randomized, you know, hallways. Right. So that well, I always say, like, what is the one way I think they could improve Persona 4 and 3 above all else is to have actual dungeons. You know, you can I put agree. floors in it and put the same kind of progression in it. But I don't feel like the replayability of that series is harmed by having some constructed rooms with, like, puzzles or something to do in them other than just run and get into battles. Well, I, I think yeah. that that's the, the chocolate and peanut butter argument that we've always made, is that, for me, Persona was so important as a gamer because it was, okay, we have this dungeon-crawling element, which is, really, which is you know, that the environments are all procedurally generated, which I think has become the word of the day for this episode of the podcast. <laughs> but, like... The dungeon design wasn't the interesting part. What was interesting were the battles, like quick, snappy battles, and then the social elements. But the social elements were built around the greater story. And so that chocolate and peanut butter thing, I think, like the JRPG developers kind of grabbed that and said, "Oh, everybody likes these perso- these these um, this chocolate and peanut butter angle of like one aspect working with the other." And what that ended up creating was that everybody tried to do their own aspect of it. But I think they're all kind of forgetting little points here and there that are why it came together so well in the Persona series. But I, right. I'm seeing that a lot right now. It's like they're trying to sprinkle something into their turn-based role-playing game to get people interested. And you know nothing has quite worked on that same level. And I think a lot of it comes down to writing. I mean, the Persona series is written very well. And it feels right. like you're watching a well-told anime where you actually care about the characters so when the humor happens you relate to it. Mhm. Yep. So, yeah, like I no, that I agree. I think it's, you know, and I'm glad they're getting those points right. It's just like, you know, it's so easy to forget that like, you know, running around can be like, look at Final Fantasy X's dungeons, like the the sphere dungeons. Some people hate those, but I really like those because it's like it's a way for you to interact with the game in a way that is enjoyable. It can be frustrating if you can't solve the puzzle, but it was something it's, it's, different. It's, it's a way to interact with the game that isn't just I'm in the menu building my characters for combat or I'm making conversations. The, the only the... one, the, the only one I'm going to attack you on is that that one puzzle in Final Fantasy X where you had to put the sphere into a pedestal and push the pedestal into a pit and it would levitate. That took me like an hour and a half. <laughs> like I was like, this puzzle is broken. What am I doing wrong? And like, I did that and I just threw the controller up in the air and walked out of the room. I was like, how would I have known to do that? <laughs> Like this random combination of doing something. It, oh, oh, God. I'm basically so, what, it, basically <laughs> what it boils down to is I, I was want, in 10th grade and I'm still mad about it. <laughs> I can appreciate that. There are puzzles that do that. B- basically what I'm saying is I want every game to have Golden Sun Dungeons. Just give me powers to solve puzzles and tie the powers into my progression system in the characters along with your social aspects. Then all three of them are linked together. So you're saying yeah. you want puzzles in Persona 5? I would, would like puzzles. Cool. I, I'm not saying they're necessary. Like I'm not saying Persona w- is, is made less because of that, but that is like, like think about how do you play Persona 4? You get into the dungeon, you immediately barrel to the top floor, and then you go save, and then you grind on the top floor until you can fight the boss. Yeah, but, Generally. That, but I think that the, the thing that you're leaving out there, Stephen, and, and, and I'm not saying that you're doing it on purpose, but you're leaving out the fact that Persona's battle system is so damn fun, and that battle system became so snappy and so enjoyable for me that it's actually hurt my enjoyment of most other of the turn-based role-playing games because, like, when I was playing Radiant Historia, the battles felt very boring to me. Like, they they felt like they were trying to do the Persona battle system thing, but they didn't come across as well. So I, I think that... That's the point that people miss with Persona, is that that battle system is very, very sharp, and after playing a lot more Shin Megami Tensei games, I realized that that is my favorite battle system that they've ever made, because it really is short and snappy, whereas the other games have gotten close to that, but then you have like the regular SMT games that are just brutally difficult... Or you have the Digital Devil Saga, which I felt was getting closer to the Persona side. And then you have Persona, which is just, you know, I'm snapping my fingers right now to illustrate. Like, it is so fast, and the battles are over in, like, 30 seconds. And I really like that about that battle system.
1: Yeah, I just just think it doesn't, you know, it doesn't waste your time. Uh, It's fun, always. Uh,
0: It's just, it's fun to exploit weaknesses and stuff, but
1: we're not talking about Persona today, really. Well,
0: I think it's a testament to Conception that we moved away from it to start talking about Persona. Yeah. Well, you're talking it. about just design in general, and, like, yeah, Conception is, in my opinion, indicative of that trend of, hey, as long as we have a battle system and, you know, dialogue, people don't care what they're doing in the dungeons, and that's not true at all. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Agree. Tales, Tales games have been guilty of it in recent years, too. Um, I remember, didn't Rogue... Uh, I almost said Rogue Legacy. Uh, Rogue Galaxy. Didn't that get like some flack for that? Because I remember that game looked really interesting. An old PS2 game. I really like Rogue, Rogue. Galaxy. All right. All right. Calling, an attacking- old, calling it an old PS2 game does not do enough justice to the... It was a pretty popular PS2 game. Okay. All right. Like, that, all that, right. No, <laughs> that game Rogue was Galaxy Defense Force just came <laughs> out. No, 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 no. So Rogue Galaxy is was sublimely disappointing for me because of the dungeon design and the fact that the story was really interesting and then turned into let's go save the galaxy and fight some irrelevant guy. And But like, that was that game was hurt by that. There were dungeons at the end, like these gladius towers. They were two yeah. dungeons that looked almost identical. You had bad. to climb to the top of one and you'd find rocks there that you couldn't cross. So you'd have to go back down to the bottom and go back up and it was just like, it's the ultimate like grindy, meaningless sort of but you know what but you know what to go back a second because i was bringing it up to go back to another game that was also developed by level five rogue galaxy i remember got a lot of flack for its dungeon design but the level 5's previous game which was dragon quest eight i think that game has amazing level design i agree in terms of 3d dungeons with fun stuff, like every dungeon had like a different element to it. There were dungeons that had like trap floors, but it felt real. There were lots of nooks and crannies. for, it, And you always found cool stuff in chests. I don't know why the Dragon Quest series is the only one that seems to get this right. You don't find an out-of-the-way chest that has a potion in it. You find something really cool inside of it. Something that like a piece of armor or something. That game's dungeon design still sticks out in my mind nearly 10 years later i've i've heard the same i mean i you know i played it i always thought the world map was what was really cool looking and you know i don't remember any dungeons because i you know i just i didn't really get into the game but you know i've that is a, an argument i have heard made so yeah, yeah I, th- I think you're right Rob. And and then there's the ultimate you know ne'er do well of this whole thing and I'm I'm not I'm not bringing it up to open up old wounds but what I'm saying is that these are complaints that people had about Final Fantasy 13 at the start of the generation that the dungeon design was very lacking and then there was this whole back and forth conversation of well is it the linearity or is it the lack of appeal in the dungeon design well, I, th- it's, well, I think it was fun. kind of both because exactly. everything in 13 was a dungeon like. That was part of the design of Thirteen. You know, there were there were no areas where you weren't technically able to get into fights and stuff like that. And what's funny is that Lightning Returns has just like you know we gave you we dumped you into a big field and now do fetch quests, which is a shame because the battle system in that game is pretty fun. Yeah, but well, I, th- I think what, I what's what's funny about that though, and I I don't know if they are agree with me. This I actually thought Thirteen Two had really cool dungeon designs because it had sort of like conundrums you had to solve. You know, they use the word paradox like you know to describe everything in that game, but like, they the few a dungeons... Better. Yeah, like, the like some of the... I remember the one I did, Derek, the, the one, the last time I was playing it, where, like, you're in that town and it's, like, sort of eaten by chaos and you have to, like, peel away the chaos to get through it, so you're, like, finding these ways to oh, get yeah. around it. Like, yeah. it had really cool dungeon design, I think that's why I like that game so much, because I was like, wow, this... Not only does it have, you know, they jump, they throw you right into the good parts of 13th combat and, like, have, like, interesting customization, but... They have really pretty, really cool-looking dungeons. Yeah. yeah, that you know are not just run through here and fight battles. The other couple of games that are really like sticking out of my mind is having really piss poor dungeon design. It's not really an RPG, but like Castlevania, Men of Innocence, like it was just boxes, like oh, every God, yeah, it was just boxes and hallways, and it just was awful, like. And then um, I, I know Stephen, you really like it, and Derek, I think you like it a lot too. But I was really let down by the dungeon design in Final Fantasy XII. Like really let down with it. I thought that aesthetically I, they were cool. Oh yeah, no, but I I think the dunge- functionally they're very boring. Well, you know what it is? It's the same thing that Lightning Returns does. It just puts you into a big area. It was a gorgeous big area that was incredibly interesting to look at. But every dungeon boiled down to, you know. Run through here and kill monsters and get to the boss and then leave. Yeah, you should and look just look at some YouTube videos of Dragon Quest VIII's dungeon design and and I think you'll see like that's always really disappointed me. I mean, I've talked before about how much I love exploration in video games, but like Dragon Quest VIII's dungeons were just full of exploration and you got like a cool map that you were going through and it was just. And
1: now I want to go play Dragon Quest Eight. That,
0: that is oh a God. good damn game. They I, should <laughs> make an HD port for Vita. And an iOS that. port. Is that what you wanted? Uh, no. <laughs> or, or they could just no. get off their dead asses and give us Dragon Quest Seven in America. Cause I actually, oh, yeah. I really want the 3DS version of that. I really do, too. Like,
1: I heard they streamlined a lot of like the needlessly long intro where you don't fight your first battle for seven hours.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I just, oh, God. But I think that that's what we're saying here. And, and to bring it back to conception is just like I, I do think that there needs to be more in level design right now. I mean, you know, some of the, the the games that are really sticking out in my mind this console generation, including He Who Should Not Be Named, uh, like, you know, the Dishonoreds, the Deus Exes, uh, they, they stick out in my mind because of really intricate level design and a great sense of exploration. I mean, that's what turned me off to Final Fantasy Thirteen was just running down the hallway. Like, that, to me, was the least interesting thing I could be doing. It turned me off from Final Fantasy Twelve. And it works in Persona because... You're focused on their battle system, and also there is that other side to the whole game, which is the social aspect, which doesn't feel linear, which feels very non-linear. You get to decide how to go about your everyday life, so they're giving you choices in another respect. So I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think it's harder to hit that sweet sauce, but I feel like a lot of Japanese developers have been kind of trying to manufacture it, and they're not quite getting it right.
1: Yeah, it's it's basically just like a. It's just a, a C plus imitation of Persona Conception is and while I I appreciate that they see that Persona is successful they didn't get those nuances right and that's why the game doesn't really succeed so I mean if you, if you're basically this is what I said when I posted my review on Twitter I said if you love fan service more than you hate bad gameplay Conception is the game for you Ouch. like if if you are all about <laughs> If you are all about those boobies and that's all you care about, then just go ahead. But I feel Which, like you know what
0: not to not to make that as a derogatory statement. But if you, I think that's an honest thing to say.
1: Yeah, if you you know, and if you, um, I just feel like there, if that's what you're looking for, you can probably find it elsewhere slash maybe even in better games than in conception too. So, hmm.
0: you
1: know, to each their own.
0: Oh, that's a shame. I damn. But near I bought the games,
1: right? Like now. that's you know
0: that's what I do. So. Yeah. I I damn near bought it because I was just looking for something to play while I was sitting around uh, waiting. For don't you stuff, need to but... play
1: like East Salceda still?
0: Or I don't I, I, I tried to get back into. It. I, you know what it is? I I played East and I and I got it, but it just it didn't click with me. Like All I. Right. I'm like almost I'll done. The game. It. Like I think it's fine, but like I think. Cell Set is harder to get into. Well, games no, no, like, I d- no no no, I didn't play Cell It was Origins. It was Origins. Uh, you know, I would I would agree with you, Rob. I that's how I feel about that series. The ones I've played in general light. is that tread lightly. That, <laughs> that's how I feel about the ones I've played. Is that none of them are bad at all? In fact, yeah. they're good. And that's as far as I would go. I would say all of the E's games I've played are sevens. Like they are neither the most interesting uh, games I've ever played nor close to the worst, but they're action RPGs. Like they're very, very, you know, I don't know. Watch. I, I liked what I played of Origin. I just, I, I think if that game had been five or six hours, I would have definitely finished it. But instead, it's like twelve or thirteen, and I kind of just like I hit like the nine hour mark, and I was like, ah, oh, I've kind of, I've kind of had enough. Like. It it just didn't hold my appeal, but I, I enjoyed it.
1: Just don't don't hurt me anymore. No, no, no,
0: no, no. I think they're perfectly fine. I think the Mega Man analogy that we had on a previous episode was really, really apt. Like, that's, that's kind of how I feel about them. They're good. They're good. And I'm sure that, like, if I if I had been a kid, those games, I would have eaten them like candy. You know, because there's, like, a comfort food quality to them that I really like. Uh, but, yeah, they're, they're okay. They're okay. Mm-hmm. Speaking of another game that is uh, two years later, finally awesome.
1: <laughs> you couldn't possibly be talking
0: about... Are we allowed to Final talk? Fantasy XIV? Okay. Well, no, that, okay, that's one. Uh, yeah, Diablo. <laughs> but, but Diablo 3 <laughs> is fun again, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I wrote many, many words saying such things, and I'm writing more. Didn't we talk about this last episode? We talked about we, the we patch. We talked about the patch. Yeah. Okay. And, and so go yeah, ahead we, we, we kind of had the over the like the over under on that like we talked about the patch and we're like let's see what the expansion does and then the expansion came out <laughs> and then yeah so I wrote a lot of stuff in the review but what it boiled down to is I said on this show numerous times I don't think they can fix it they fixed it they did uh, they fixed Diablo 3 is now the game that a lot of people wanted it to be. And with the one stipulation, there are folks on our site like Dave. Dave likes having skill points. If you are the type of person for whom your enjoyment of that game is dependent on you being able to put skill points and skills, don't ever play it again because it's never going to be the game you want it to be. Mm-hmm. But with the new diversity in the skills and the extra passive slot and the new passives and the rebuilt passives and the, the, the number of legendaries with kooky effects on them, which is what the whole series is about you can really build a character that is your character and it's compelling. the reward weight is rate is really good. They've been tweaking it constantly. you know like they were like people aren't getting enough items so we're you know we're increasing the drop rate here. Um, you know, my guy is totally specked in lightning. almost all of my gear gives me special lightning effects. For example, I have an offhand orb for my wizard where I have a chain lightning spell that arcs 10 times, but it will only strike each enemy once. so if there's four enemies it'll arc four times and then dissipate. But with this orb I got, the legendary effect on it is that my lightning never goes away until it hits all ten arcs. So I can shoot two enemies with a bolt of lightning and it will bounce back and forth between them until they're dead. So that's an effect added by an item. I have an item that every so many times I hit something um, with a critical, I suddenly have an explosion of lightning that comes out of me. You know, I have my passive set. I I built my character and I've specced my items so that I have a really fast attack speed, because I'm not doing quite as much damage as some of my friends, but I attack so fast that it's making up for it, and I have a ring and a passive that give me a percent chance to stun things when I hit them, and my lightning arcs, remember now. So I can shoot a group of enemies with two bolts of lightning, and it will bounce between them, stunning them over and over again. So I'm literally just... I'm not even getting hit. I'm just standing in the middle of a crowd of enemies, just, like, blowing them up with lightning everywhere, and it is... The best light. I've wanted to make a lightning wizard since Diablo 1, and I can finally do it. Lightning bolt. You were able to do it in Diablo 2. Lightning bolt. Lightning bolt. Lightning bolt. Now, 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 I need to pause here for a second, because Steven is actually dead wrong when it comes to Diablo 3. It's not about lightning and stunning, it's about having a portable flamethrower of vampire bats that you use when people get close range to your witch doctor, or specking your character the way I have, where. I throw a lot of damage over time skills out there where I spit locusts at people and then use the new haunt skill to just do massive damage over time. And I now have a passive equipped that makes those lasting effects for five minutes. So once I cast it, it will eventually kill you. And then I just kind of run around the battlefield dodging attacks while my fetishes attack people with their giant butcher knives and scream at them. Occasionally we join up and you do funny dances and make (laughs) me even stronger too. Yeah, and then I do a funny dance and Steven goes Super Saiyan and a lot (laughs) of stuff dies. We, yeah. we actually got the frame rate on my computer down to 13 frames. Oh, a it was great. That's another thing they've done. <laughs> the redesigned spell effects and just the nature, the pacing of the game now is such that, I mean, you have had situations where the whole screen was full of bad guys, and I'm just like, oh, God, I don't know. It's just lightning. <laughs> like, four player games are a total blast. Um, the pacing is perfect now, thanks to the difficulty system. Um, You know, it's. It, it's it's hard to state anything beyond that. I mean, I've it's the the I guess we haven't really talked about the new expansion stuff. The new class is if you like melee classes, he's amazing. I don't like melee classes and he's awesome. Yeah, he's I'll the like, Crusader. He's my favorite melee class by he, far. He's like a paladin dragoon. Like he's got all your classic paladin moves like blessed hammer, smite. Um he's got like a, a move where he gets on a horse and charges through the enemies and one of the runes Makes it link with chains, so when you run through the enemies, they get dragged behind you, Back to the Future three style. (laughs) It like it's it's, he gets a move called Falling Sword, where literally he jumps into the air and smashes into the ground and just murders everything. And it there's a rune for that that makes swords spin around you while you're doing that. So what my buddy and I will do is we we play. You know, we have a lot of synergies between our skills. Like he has that move. So what I'll do is when I see him using Falling Sword, I'll use my Black Hole skill right in the middle of it, pull all the enemies into him, and then he smashes them all and dices them up with swords. Like, there's such there's such a, a greater degree of skill synergy now that, you know, it just it works super well. Um, it, you know, there, there are a few caveats. Like, well, I won't talk about those yet. We, we need to remember to talk about trading, though, because that's a problem. But like the adventure mode they added in the expansion basically lets you randomly generate dungeons... You can go – you have access to the whole world map, and you can complete bounties. And the bounties are always like, you know, go here, kill this bad guy, or go here and do this event. And events are something that they have totally finally capitalized on, just randomized things that happen in the world that are fun, that get you a reward. Um, And so you get such rewards from doing the the bounties in adventure mode, and then you get blood shards. And blood shards let you build a Nephilim Rift, which is like – No, 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 no. Uh, fragments let you. Oh yeah, it. sorry. Yeah, F1 you get key, you get keystone fragments from like completing objectives in the bounties, and you can take five of those keystones and create a portal to a, a rift. And a rift is basically a dungeon that is randomized from everything in the game. For example, I was in Hell fighting unicorns and teddy bears, and then yeah, I walked so down sure. a yeah. and then and then I walked down a staircase, and I was in a tower fighting like bats and bugs so it's it's crazy and the rewards there the risks there are crazy because like you fight all kinds of like crazy monsters and then when you kill a certain number of enemies there you summon a rift guardian who's like a super boss and you know you can get loot and you get blood shards from those bosses and then you can spend the blood shards which are used to with uh, a gambling character who you can gamble and get unique items and uh, so it's like there's this feedback loop of reward. So everything you're doing is constantly giving you little rewards, and it works out really well. And just the way the crafting system is built now, and the new, the new artisan, the mystic, who lets you reroll stats on an item. Only one per item, but you can reroll it as many times as you want. Um, everything sort of has meaning now. Like you pick up junk items because you need them to reroll stuff on the mystic. So if you find a legendary that's almost perfect for you, but there's some crappy stat on it or something you don't use, you can reroll that to your class. So, like, I found an item that was amazing, except it gave me a percent damage bonus to a skill I don't use. I rerolled it to the skill I use. Or you can reroll it if, like, you know, I said that I try to get faster attack speed on my guy. I reroll a lot of my stats to faster attack speed, so that way I can just shoot as much lightning as fast as possible. So you have, like, this huge degree of customization now that is just... It's the the loop is just endless, like it's that reward, 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 reward loop that just works so well.
1: Yeah, it's Blizzard's always done that really well, I think, and especially, um, you know, they. I feel like World of Warcraft had some pretty insidious uh, like gameplay hooks, and I'm glad that they took some of the better things from that, like some of those design things that they've learned and implemented it in the new version of D3 because it the original was missing a lot of that.
0: Yeah. Uh, and another thing, too, um, the new act, Act 5, is the coolest act in the game by far. It has really cool boss fights. Some people don't like them because the boss fights are, now, are skill-based totally now. Like, you can beat a boss without getting hit, but that's the thing is if you get hit, you die. So, you know, it, it's it's the kind of boss battles that the systems in the game are well-built around. Like, it's, it's where, like, you know, oh, this guy's about to hit the ground here. I have to move. Oh, he's about to spray a cone in front of him. I have to get behind him. You know, so... And there's just a ton of variety to the act. It's got su- it's super moody. It's it's a lot more Diablo two in like tone. It's very like blue and dark and sort of like you know ghosty. Really cool areas you go to. Uh, it it looks like fights. it looks like the images that fans made when they were like, "This is what Diablo three should look like." It uh, looks like they just took that. I, I I don't know that I agree with that because I think those images looked stupid. I, I know, but it's it's like, like that's kind of what it felt dark. like. But, yeah. yeah, this one is definitely darker and more somber. The music is definitely more Diablo II in style. It's the best music in the game, easily. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just it's a really cool act. And one of the things they do really well in the acts is that you'll be going through, like, the city of Westmarch. And it's a dungeon, like anything else in the game. But because it's the city, there are tons of houses you can go into, which is something they've never done in this series. You go into the house, you find an event where two kids are being attacked by a monster. So you have to go protect them and then, like, save their parents. There's just small little events that sort of draw you in more. Um, the plot is awful, just god awful, terrible. Yeah, we're, we're going to get to into that here in a second. The lore around it is brilliant. Absolutely amazing lore. Descriptions for every monster that tie into the storyline. The event stories are really interesting. All your artisans and um, all your companions now have side quests with really interesting little stories to them. But the main story itself is just stupid. It's like Malthael stands at the end of a hallway and waits for you to come kill him. That's the entire story. Like, it is absolutely terrible. And then you beat the final boss, and somebody shows up, doesn't even say a word about the world-annihilating angel of death you just killed. And he's like, hey, did you see some other thing? And then the ending starts. And then it's like, oh, also, here's another thing we haven't talked about at all. So it's really bad plot wise but no, you're not playing it for that reason but in that regard too you should read the lore books because the lore books are really interesting and do have an interesting story to tell like there's this whole story of like a usurped king you know you'll you'll like you can run across a random event where people are trying to overthrow that king or like one of his dukes like these nobles are trying to, so it's there's it's just way more immersive than it ever was and it's more fun to explore that world um for a lot of reasons yeah, it's, it's definitely a huge improvement. I mean, I've kind of been blown away by it a little bit. One of the things I wanted to talk about, though, was the storytelling, because the storytelling is absolutely awful. Also, Steve and I have a question, because I just re-rolled uh, my boots here, and it doesn't look like... Can I re-roll it again? Yeah, as many times as you want. But I can only re-roll one property again, right? Like, if you re- Say, for example, you have a property, you get 10% more magic, fine, you don't want that. You can re-roll that property... And then if you don't like the new property you get, you can keep re-rolling that one property. You can't, can't go you can't like go to another stat and change that and Crap. default the other one back. So Crap. once once you change it, it's bound to that particular slot. Damn it. I wish I had known that. You're not using the mystic enough. No, I'm really not. I just kind of broke one of my pairs of boots because I was trying to increase damage on one of my stats. But anywho, that's okay. Um But yeah, the storytelling. Um I I was kind of intrigued because I agree with Steven, like the lore of Diablo is so amazing. Like it's so creepy and so like, I'm still thinking back to like reading the lore for the original Diablo and it just was so different from any other game out there. Like it felt dark and just out of control evil. Like it was so good. And then you play this game and it's like snidely, it's like you're fighting snidely whiplash. And like he's tying a woman <laughs> And like he's tying a woman to train tracks. Really like, is the case. Is this really happening right now? And it's so disappointing. And so like I'm starting to wonder, like, is there a way that like the game that I'm remembering is called The Mark of Cree. And that's a PlayStation 2 action game that if anybody remembers, I'm actually really proud of you right I now. I remember it. And that game was told like a myth like it was told from a third hand account of a myth of like and then Rao the warrior went and did this that's the way diablo needs to be told cuz watching demons and angels argue at each other like a saturday morning television show is awful but hearing about it third hand is actually really really cool cuz you can you can envision what the conversation was like i don't need to watch them actually doing that but it, golly, the story is bad in this game. Ugh. So, to its credit, I will say that the first arc of the story is pretty interesting, before you have to deal with Malthael, when you're like, fi- the, the beginning is you're in Westmarch, and you're like, you, it's being sieged by Malthael's forces, and there is some interesting stuff there, and then the the rest of it just becomes like, oh, go get the bad guy. And it's, you know, Malthael himself has n- almost no dialogue, like, he's this character who's so important and has so much interesting history behind him. Like, if you read the Book of Cain, Malthael disappears before Diablo Three. Nobody knows what happened to him. They assume he's gone. Someone else takes his place. You know, he was the Angel of Wisdom, I think, before. And then he becomes the Angel of Death, and there's all this really fascinating backstory. And in the game, literally, he shows up three times in an area, and the dialogue is literally evil screams or hideous cackling, and then he disappears. And then when you get to him, he says, like, four things, and then you kill him. Yeah, it's so... Like, it ugh. is It is so abortive. It doesn't even... And it could be that the effort wasn't there, which is fine, because they fixed the important part of the game. But it's disappointing, because Diablo 2, I consider... Diablo. Nobody played Diablo 2 for the story, but the fact is, the story was interesting in Diablo 2. It was compelling, because in 3, in you're kind of, like, hunting Diablo down the whole time. You know, especially once you see him. He's, like, standing there waiting for you. You mean but 2. He, you mean 2. No, in in 3. Once you find out Diablo is in 3, he's like, I'm going to stand here and you're never going to get to me. Ha ha. But in 2, throughout the game, you're chasing Diablo. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're chasing the Wanderer. He's doing all this sinister stuff. He's working through another person. It's just destroying the world. You get a really great sense of that. Like, Diablo 2 has a lot more subtle storytelling that's interesting. And Diablo is more like a force of nature than just some scary dude that stands at the end of a dungeon waiting for you. My armies will now attack you. It's like, really? I never imagined Diablo would talk like that. Like, Yeah, like, this is Diablo. Ha ha ha, I have five gates, you'll never get here. Oh, you killed a gate, but you'll never get the other... Th- it's you'll never so kill bad. the other two. Oh, well, you killed all the gates, you'll never get past my lieutenant... I mean, you'll never get up the tower that I'll... Uh, I mean, you'll never destroy me. I mean, how can this be? I'm dead. Yeah, it's it's snidely whiplash, dude. Like, it's, 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 it's so disappointing. Blizzard's writers cannot write... Anything other than Saturday morning cartoon stuff right now. I mean, I'm sure they can, but they have not. What I didn't play enough of StarCraft Two. Was that okay? Like, it seemed like it was going in an okay direction. Like, Actually, I like StarCraft Two, so I take that back. Okay, so StarCraft Two is doing it okay, but like Diablo deserves better. Like Diablo was so creepy. Like think back to the first trailer for the original Diablo. Like seeing Tristram, seeing all these monsters, it was nightmarish. And then you got to the end of the trailer and you saw Diablo and he screamed and if you were 10 years old, you crapped yourself. You were like, "Oh my god." Like it it was almost like the original Doom in a way. And I think that actually you know what the Doom parallel feels very very appropriate. It's like Doom 1 was so creepy and foul. And by the time you got to Doom 3, it was like, okay, this is kind of silly. Like, And I don't know if that's us growing up or if that's just the storytelling works when it's more subtle and when it doesn't outright speak dialogue to you. Like, I don't need Diablo talking to me and twirling his mustache. Like, I need he, him to be a force of nature, like you were saying. Diablo has two lines of dialogue in Diablo 2. And he is an omnipresent force throughout the entire game. Everyone is terrified of Diablo because he is the aspect of terror. And you're chasing him and t- these horrifying things are happening everywhere. And you're seeing what he what what he has wrought. And then you finally get to him and he has one thing to say to you. Not even death will save you from me. And then you fight him and that's it. That's all he has to say because his presence is shown to you, not told to you. Yeah, Diablo you know 3 tells it. you, Diablo 2 shows you. Yeah, you know he means business in Diablo 2. And like when you find him in Kurast, and he's and like he's walking away from you and you're like, what the hell? And like he summons a couple of demons out to attack you and you're like, oh God, like you got scared. Remember the first time you saw Andariel? Like that was spooky. Or like when you go into the tomb of Talrasha and all of a sudden, a giant slug is attacking you, beating you to death, and you're like, what's going on? And it's freezing you, and your life sucks, and it's just like, oh, God! Like, man, I just... It, Diablo 3 deserves better. It really does. Its storytelling is so so bad, it's almost incomprehensibly bad at this point. But on the other hand, it does set up for another expansion, oh, which, yeah. I will, which I will definitely buy. And, you know, everything else is great. So Yeah, I mean, th- and they've really made a game that's focused on raids, which, you know, I never thought that I would be okay with that in Diablo. But it makes sense considering that so many people did bail runs and things in Diablo 2. That's I don't know if really... I'd call them raids in the MMO sense. You are just such a hipster that has to be argumentative. You know that? Come no, on, no, I, I know what point you're they're trying to no, make. Raids. No, a raid is like a big elaborate thing you got to set up and plan to do. Diablo 3, you could just open up a random dungeon that people can run into. It's, it's not the same as a raid. A raid is like a thing that you have to plan and like, you know, you have to know the strategy. Or going into a rift is no different from going into anywhere else in the game because you still just got to go around killing monsters. It's just that the, the circumstances are tweaked. Okay. You've never played an MMO to get to raids. Okay. You can't compare I- it to raids. Oh, okay. All, all right. All right. All right. Hipster.
1: It sounds like I need to get in on some Diablo 3 now that I got do. my account back, which I did just today, actually. Um, I, I don't know if I said this already in the, on the show, but I was uh, locked out of my account because I would gotten a new phone last year, and Paragon apparently it's been 70. that long.
0: Sorry. What? Paragon level 78, for those that care.
1: Mm, I don't. I just um, but my my account... <laughs> I was uh, locked out of my account because I had to get my authenticator switched over, so I did that. and it took Blizzard like 10 minutes to fix it for me. So I am finally... Uh, unlocked and patched and i am ready to play so i will get in on that soon that's what's up i
0: think There's... you're gonna like it i think <laughs> so too it's a
1: lot of fun dude i liked i liked vanilla diablo 3 um i didn't think it was awesome like amazing but i enjoyed my first playthrough of it quite a bit
0: yeah i think it made a really great first impression then slowly got worse yeah um, I mean, there were were definitely problems with the game's structure and and the focus on the loot. I I will say that I can still I still get frustrated playing Diablo three when I don't get any loot for my character. Like I played with one of my buddies for an entire weekend and I didn't get one gear upgrade. And then I played with Steven for a while and I wasn't getting anything. And that can still get a little frustrating. What's that? I said, and that was the same weekend I played for like an hour, went into one rift and got seven legendaries, and everybody hated me for the whole weekend. Well, I, I just hate you in general when that happens. Well, oh, yeah. But, but you yeah. know what, though? I, and I, I agree that that can be frustrating, but I also think that was something that was also a problem in Diablo 2. And not necessarily a problem. It's just part of the nature of that system. Exactly. Exactly. Like you, can I mean, get, you can get screwed for long periods of time. That yeah. actually, there was one more thing I wanted to bring up, and I think you feel the same way in this. So a lot of items now are account-bound. Legendaries are, Uh, are, if you are in the game when a legendary drops, it can be traded between any of the players in that game for I think it's 60 minutes. And then that legendary is locked to your account. Uh, Crafted items, crafted legendaries and set items are account bound. Gems are account bound. Crafting materials are account bound. And the reason this is, and you can't trade gold anymore. The reason that is one simple thing to stop gold farmers and people selling items. And I, I, I appreciate that's the problem. But I said this in my review, I've said it to Rob, I think I've said it to Derek, you can't design your game around the people who are abusing it. You have to design it around the people who want to play it together. And the Blizzard's whole reason for taking out world PvP, you know, was we want to build a cooperative game. We don't want people to get griefed. You know, we want a a game where people can work together. And the game supports that all up until its item system. Why can't I take, oh, hey, I've been using this legendary, I don't need it anymore. All My only option now is either I make another character, which I'm not going to do because I have my two characters already. I can't say, oh, Rob, you just started a wizard. Hey, here's this really cool level 45 legendary. I can't do that anymore. All it is now is fodder for me to break it down. Mm, and yeah. it's... That's this, a little disappointing. The spirit of cooperation they've wanted to keep is absolutely... Thoroughly undermined by not being able to trade. Trade is part of the cooperation of the game. It was part of the fun of the first game. It was like going into a chat channel and seeing some guy be like, "We'll trade Hell Run for five SoJs," and it's like, "Well, all right, I'll go in there. I'll do. I'll to get five legendary rare unique rings." And it's just you know, and it's not like it's something that comes up occasionally. Like playing with you know my friends and with Rob, JK. Uh, you yeah, know, I probably, see what you did. There. Oh, that's painful, right? But no, like seriously, it's like. There have been times where I'm like, oh, I want to craft something. Can anybody give me some gold? Like, I want to do this. Or, oh, hey, can, you know, does anybody have, you know, a forgotten soul? I need one to reroll this stat. And then I'm like, oh, that's right. We can't trade those. Yeah, that's the one area that they need to work on a little bit. There were a couple of times where, like, Stephen got a couple of items that might have been really helpful for my witch doctor. Because, you know, we're, we're similar in that we use intelligence builds. And to not be able to get that help, you know, that's where the frustration started to come in. I'm sitting here going, well, I've been playing for three hours and I haven't gotten a drop. Granted, I'm playing, you know, end game now. I'm level 70, so the drops shouldn't be coming that fast. But, you know, that can get a little frustrating. But the the other option being vanilla Diablo 2, where it was just go to the auction house and deal with it. I would rather have this option. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, this is definitely better. And I think now that they don't have the auction house, trading should be a viable thing. Like, you know, it, it's weird, too, because it's such a stopgap. Like, if you open a trade screen, which is hilarious because you can't really trade much of anything except for white items and rare items. And uh, it, feels actually, like, it feels like they're going to loosen that up soon. I, I, I hope they will, and I know people have been talking about it a lot. Like, there's a slot for gold trading on the trading screen, and it just says gold trade disabled. And I'm like... Just take the box out. Don't mock me. Right. That's why I think that they're going to. I think they want to see where the community goes right now. You know, I think we also have to keep in mind that this is a game that, like Stephen was saying to me in chat the other Mm -hmm. night, if this was EA, they would have given up on Diablo 3 and started making Diablo 5 right now. Um, We'd have Diablo 4 already if if this was EA. Blizzard decided to fix their game. And you know what? I respect that. And, and yeah, you know I'm what? Really happy about that. To their credit, I know it's very cool to hate Blizzard these days because you don't like WoW and they're the WoW Factory, or because their expansions are, you know, whatever you think. The fact is Blizzard sports the crap out of their games. Like I know everyone's still like, Oh, Blizzard can't keep their servers running. Oh god, I hate Blizzard. Blizz, you ruined the game, you can't fix it, yada yada yada. But you know what? Blizzard hasn't abandoned this game. So everyone who's claiming that Blizzard wronged them when they bought Vanilla Diablo 3. When they got a pretty decent game, you know, it wasn't as good as Diablo 2, it was disappointing, but they didn't abandon you. Like, they patched it and patched it and patched it, and then they stopped patching it so they could build this patch and the expansion. So, right, Blizzard has done right by its customers at every turn, if you ask me. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty incredible right now. I'm, I'm surprised how much it's brought me back in as I sit here and play it right now. Um, I'm really, really enjoying it, and I think that they. It's a good sign. I think we are going to get another. They've they've been kind of coy, like, "Oh, we don't know where Diablo's going next." There's going to be another expansion. Hey, guess what, guys? Diablo's probably going to come back in the next expansion. Spoiler! Like it's it's like come Actually, on. Actually, I think that does count as a spoiler, doesn't that? Uh it does. But if you can't read the writing on the wall, there, like, come on, guys. Well, I mean, the game's called Diablo, so yeah. Also, at you know, spoiler there. Well, but we I... just talked about how.
1: Hammy the story is well I mean, that's the
0: thing is blizzard I can i please spoilers, come and write but, for you like but, okay. i i honestly think i could do a better job of writing the diablo story at this point because all you need to do is make it creepy and tell it they need to tell it in a reductive manner they need to tell it in a manner of like a fable you know the way that they told diablo 2 stories secondhand from marius that went a long way toward making diablo feel terrifying you know, And there's a little bit of that with Tyrael, but unfortunately Tyrael is written about as interestingly as a bag of wheat. Tyrael like, is now Mr. McGuffin. He is the reason you have to be everywhere. Yeah, and I, I think it's a shame because he actually has some funny lines of dialogue when you play Adventure Mode. Oh yeah, like when he's like, my stomach hurts. What? Did you forget Fine. to eat again? <laughs> no! I decided I'd get the whole day's eating out of the way all at once, so I ate everything I could. And now my stomach hurts. Being a mortal is hard. Yeah, like, that's funny. Like, I'm okay with that. So, I I don't know. I think that Diablo... Diablo works better when it's creepy. And I, I do think that they've lost a little bit of the creepy side. Like, as I'm fighting the butcher right now, he's not nearly as intimidating as the old butcher from original Diablo, who was just this guy wearing an apron, and when you opened up the door, what did he say? Ah, uh, fresh meat. And that terrified me. <laughs> I screamed like a little girl. I was so scared. Uh, Because you don't see him at first. You're like, wait, what? Yeah, then there's just blood inside of a room, and you're like, oh, dear God. Uh, So, yeah, Yeah. Diablo 3 is, two years later, a pretty damn fun game.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, at least they did something about it.
0: Right. Uh yeah. Also speaking of patches, uh that game that Steven's going to be playing like a fiend here next Friday, uh Dark Souls two. That oh, I of, thought you meant Final Fantasy fourteen. No, Dark Souls two got a nice little patch on consoles that uh kind of evened out a couple of the issues, uh some of the more balancing issues in the game, but it, it hadn't it hasn't fixed the hit detection or anything like that, which kinda of has me a little bummed out, but it's a little bit easier now. Uh some of the things that were a little bit crazier on New Game Plus have been Tone down a little bit I so thought, i thought we could go one podcast <laughs> just just you one wrong Derek.
1: yeah i guess so love you
0: love you too so you want to talk about uh, other game well i was gonna say we uh the new patch came out for 14 did we talk about that yet we don't have to say too much about it. I don't,
1: but. I don't remember if we have. Yeah, I mean, through the maelstrom for Final Fantasy Fourteen, that's patch 2.2, so the second major update um, since the game was re-released last August. Um, that came out last month, so March. Um, added a lot of cool content. The main things that it added were um, some some new story um, that's actually voice acted, which is really cool. So I, I like that they're continuing to have this high level of production value in the storyline. Um. But basically, it's uh, the story, The new storyline is talking all about Leviathan. That's why the patch is called Through the Maelstrom. So, um, if you're not familiar with Final Fantasy 14, a big part of the lore slash the game is uh, the summons, like the classic Final Fantasy summons. Um, a new one, basically, there, a new one is slated to appear with every major patch. So, in Through the Maelstrom, it's Leviathan, um, and there's a new character from uh, like a new land. I think Doma is what it's called. And it's heavily, heavily, heavily hinted that um, that new character is going to be, like, some kind of a trainer for a new class, because she's... Oh, uh,
0: the, the musketeer?
1: No, the um, Yugiri, the girl with the purple veil and stuff.
0: Oh, I haven't met her yet.
1: Oh, well, she's, uh, I mean, they go so far as to say, like, she's like, I would love to train the people of Eorzea in my martial arts. Um, oh, man. She, she dual wields katanas and stuff, so... Um, they've been talking about adding a roguish class anyway to the game, so so that's cool. But basically, yeah, like they added a fight against Leviathan, which is super cool, um, really dynamic, especially for an MMO. Like you're on a raft in the middle of the ocean, and uh, he's poking up like his heads on one side of the raft and his tails on the other, and he throws you around, and your character actually like falls. They can fall overboard and die. Um, it's just a super cool fight. Um, they added that. They added a fight with Gilgamesh. Battle wow.
0: on, and, and the event is called the Battle on the Big Bridge. Yeah, and, and they have a really big song bridge. and
1: everything. It's so cool. um It's kind of easy, but like it's just there for it's, fun it's, side story.
0: It's kind of hilarious too. Like he turned, like he turns you into a green chicken.
1: Yeah. <sighs> right? No, he, he turns you into a frog, and then he has all these oh, chickens right, that right, try right. to eat you. It's <laughs> really, it's really goofy. Yeah, that's right. Um, Aside from that, what else did they add? They added um...
0: new. They added the Lost City of Amdapur, which, and I know you hate this. It it really is. It feels like something out of a Dark Souls game. <laughs> like I actually heard Derek get mad. <laughs> no, no, but it, it's like I'm. I was not the first one to come up with that. Mike actually said that he's like this. Really reminds me of like the design in Dark Souls, and I'm like, yeah, but it it, it doesn't feel like it's inappropriate to 14. Like the the sort of the the Amdepore design aesthetic has been present all along and it's like this really cool like fungus overridden destroyed city where you fight diablos from final fantasy VIII. and it, it looks it has awesome music in it they added the new new hard modes of some of the dungeons and this isn't i i, I don't know if world of warcraft did this but the hard modes in 14 actually like change the dungeon like you go through it a different way and like the effects are different and like it's it's to, it's basically a totally different dungeon and they added like a bazillion new crafting things a bunch of housing stuff like they added so much stuff like big and little things that I can't really keep up with it at all. Yeah, it's like,
1: it's a great patch. I'm I am continually impressed by everything that Yoshida and his team are doing for FF14. Like if they I mean I, at some point in the distant future, I'm sure the updates will scale down, but for now it's like holy crap. Every time they do a patch and by every time I mean all two times so far, it has been like massively game changing. Uh as, as far as how much new content they're adding and how many systems they're tweaking and stuff. Quality of life things, especially. Um,
0: oh, that's right. Yeah, they added Glamour's. They, you can, like, the uh, one of the issues people had was, like, everyone kind of looked the same at the end because of the the best gear. Now there's, like, 50 million sets of end game gear, and the Glamour's let you make any piece of gear look like any other piece of gear. Oh, you forgot to mention that in Diablo 3, too, with the Mystic. I have a lot oh, of fun yeah, with oh. that, yeah. Yeah, that's so good. both of them have that system now, so... What's really cool is both of those games now. Everybody, like, you see so many crazy looking people running around. Like, I saw, I saw Captain this, America Crusader. <laughs> which oh, was I really saw his, funny. Yeah, that was really cool because they get a shield throw move too. Um, but like, yeah, like I saw someone in 14 that was like, it was a wizard, but she was wearing like a sundress. Yeah. Like, just people. Like, it's really cool the amount of variety and like kooky stuff people wear now because now they add gear to the game like they'll add a, p- a piece of body armor that has no stats just so you can glamour it so like there's a lot of really like there's a lot of visual options now too yeah for your guy.
1: I, I think it really fosters creativity and I think that I think that individuality is one of the most important things in an MMORPG because you're trying to improve your character and make your character stand out in some way so I mean back in the days of Final Fantasy 11 where everybody was wearing a stupid optical hat and a scorpion harness and they all look the same anybody who's played 11 knows exactly what I'm talking about yeah uh, uh, it's like hideous tall i don't even know how to explain it like this pointy hat that was just butt ugly and every melee class needed to wear it so you'd be like a ninja wearing a huge felt hat and it looks stupid so now in final fantasy 14 even if uh, a new piece of gear is introduced that has good stats but you don't like the way it looks or it clashes with the rest of your gear or whatever just glamour it um and there is, you know, there is a little bit of restriction. Like you have to, you can only glamour it with stuff that your class could normally equip anyway. So like you're not going to see paladins running around in white mage robes. So that's cool. Um, but yeah, quality of life stuff. They basically, it's an awesome patch. Uh, I've gotten through most of the new content. The only stuff I haven't touched yet is the new Binding Coil of Bahamut stuff, which is like the hardest dungeon in the game. I mean, it's like insanely difficult. And I haven't tried a couple of the new extreme mode fights that they've added in for the the primals, but great patch um also yoshida recently said on the forums that they've decided for the next expansion that you will be able to fly like they're going to have flying mounts um, i thought you
0: just meant fly dragon ball z style i would loved yeah, that
1: now flying mounts which is really cool i guess they were trying to decide between making an underwater thing or a flying thing and they said um they're going to go with flying and it kind of sounded like flying first and then maybe in the future they'll have underwater stuff which would be balls amazing um yeah, Final Fantasy XIV rocks, and I'm really, really glad that more people are picking up on that because I feel like around the net, it's getting a warmer reception as more people try it because a lot of people are like, well, Final Fantasy XIV sucked when it came out, so why would I care now? It's an MMO. Uh,
0: yeah, I agree with you, Derek. I think people are way more receptive to that right now because uh, the latest RPG to hate on is The Elder Scrolls Online, so there you go. Like, oh my gosh, dude, have you played that? No, I have Like Like, uh, Brian is writing a review for it now. Yeah. And, like, I've played it a bit with my friend. All right, the skill system is cool. Like, you have a lot of cool customization to that. Exploring is fun. Um, you know, this is from, I've only played for, like, four or five hours. But, like, exploring is fun. Um,
1: oh, did you buy it?
0: No, I borrowed it from a friend. Oh, um, uh, okay. Borrowed? But, Elder Scrolls Online? Yeah, I, I just installed oh, like it. his account. Yeah, I, I used his account. And, like, but, the like, the, the world is not very attractive looking, like, there's not a whole lot of inspiration behind it. Like Skyrim doesn't look very cool. Like it doesn't look like, like it looks like sort of what would happen if you took Skyrim and tried like a PS2. Like it just, it looks less ambitious and the party content in the game is awful. Every time you have to interact with other players in that game, at least I don't know about the PVP. I haven't played that, but like, Partying up is horrible. Like the game is just less fun when you're with other people, and that's hilarious. Like you know, there's a good way to put it. I read some review. I can't remember what it was that said the parts of the game that are Elder Scrolls are good. The parts of the game that are an MMO are bad. Hmm. Um, It's I don't know. I mean, I I imagine they'll support it, but it just your comment about the game looking uninspired, though. Like, yeah, we we've all kind of talked about the Elder Scrolls being kind of totally generic fantasy in a lot of ways. I think Skyrim went a long way to rectifying that, having its own identity, even if it was just, you know, Vikings. But did you did you feel that way about Skyrim, that that was also really generic? And if not, what can you elaborate a little bit on what's making Elder Scrolls Online feel generic? So Skyrim felt dense. Um, okay. Even if you felt like Skyrim was, a, you know, generic Nordic snowy area, it was a well-realized one. That was pretty to look at and had sights to see that were memorable. Um, and not that Elder Tiso, what I've played at Tiso, doesn't have anything memorable to see. It does. But the density is where it really feels less. Like, it just sort of feels like everyone's dumped into an area. Um, it, you know? And it, like, there are so many things in it that break your immersion. And that's, that's, like, the key of that series is immersion. So it's. I don't know. You know, it's not a bad game, but. I'm like, why would I play this when I could play an actual Elder Scrolls? Because Elder Scrolls single-player games get the experience better. Final Fantasy XIV, in my opinion, gets the MMO aspects better. Mm-hmm. So That's a shame. That's a real shame. Now, But you know what? I, they're already announcing adventure packs for it, which, you know, patches. So it's not to say it won't improve. It's just there's, there's ground to cover. Do you think that... This is also maybe a little bit. I don't know how much is it like World of Warcraft. How much does it fit the typical stereotypical MMO mold? Typical stereotypical <laughs> MMO mold, mold. But like, is this just we've reached a point of the MMO genre needs to do something new, or is it deeper than that? Like, what what do we think so here? Peeps have been saying that for a while, and I said that until I played 14. Right. And that proved to me that there is life in this style of game, at, at least for me. Like, I know some people who have played more MMOs than me might feel differently, and I can totally appreciate that, because I would love to play a different style of MMO, which is why I'm excited about EverQuest Next, because that looks really sort of avant-garde in that genre. So, you know, I'm excited about that. But the the problems, in my opinion, with Tissot aren't that it hews too close to the MMO design. It's that it's it's sort of straddling this line between an MMO and an Elder Scrolls and as a result it's not really that great at either of them. Mm-hmm. You know, Final Fantasy 14 does not try to tell you it's something else. Like it's not peanut butter trying to tell you that it's like, you know, bananas. You know, it's <sighs> peanut butter. It's really good peanut butter, but it's the same peanut butter you might have had before, but it's got, you know, it's made with really great peanuts. It's delicious and it's, you know, it's this- constant and they're constantly adding more peanut butter to the jar, so... This analogy is hilarious to me. I'm it trying really to keep it is. Back, <laughs> it no, keeps getting But no, getting really, that, that's the thing, is that Final Fantasy 14 follows a lot of tropes of the genre, but it executes very well on them, and it has tons of small quality-of-life things that make it feel like a good experience and make exploring feel rewarding and make exploring all these systems feel entertaining. And I'm not saying that Tiso doesn't have any of that, because, again, I've played it a lot less than i played 14. So, you know, people who've played it longer might think I'm crazy, but... Judging from what I've read and what I've seen, and my friend who's played it more, they've kind of corroborated these things where it's sort of straddling that line and not doing either of them that well. Mm-hmm. You know, like even no matter what you do with your skill set, you always still in TSO seem to fall into an archetype. Like you know, you're either a tank, a DPS, or a healer. You know, you have different styles. That like my friend is a broadsword wielding stealth character who runs around invisibly and then beats people to death with his giant claymore. So it sounds that, cool. It's, it's not that it's not fun or like good but the thing is the systems built around that don't seem to support an extended amount of play like that because once you get past the initial novelty of that you're like all right well let me go do something with a party oh this isn't this isn't really that that good like playing it the whole time the elephant in the room is i'm sitting here i'm like why would i run a dungeon in this when i could go do it in 14 and it's more fun even at level 15, in the first dungeon Mm. you know it's just it there's just for me there's some sort of spark missing to it it just feels less creative and you know it's 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 interesting that i find myself saying that cuz again i had no interest in 14 before it came out like right up until right before it was out you know i was like oh god another archetypical mmo i don't want to play that but you know i i gave it a shot and it's ended up becoming one of my favorite games ever like i mean i don't even know how many hours i have in 14 anymore but i've been constantly subscribed since it came out and have not even considered unsubscribing. I stopped playing for a few weeks because I was busy with class and all that. But I came back last night and got addicted again. I like I was like weaving and making stuff for our our guild co- our guild house. That's I made. When a st- I thought I was out. They no, exactly. Back in. That's exactly how it was, and I was That's like, really all right, awesome, cool. By the way. I, I have to make a tonberry. Thank you. I have to make a tonberry rug and a couch, and we have a hot tub. And I, I, an I cannot. For-
1: understate how cool it is to have a guild house in an MMO. Like that is something that I always dreamed of in in FF11, because you had your little mog house, but having an entire huge house that you can share with your grand company or your free company, um, and like decorate with your stuff is so freaking cool. We just hang out there. We, we and like Steven said, we really do have hot tub parties. We have a hot tub in our house. And can
0: Listen, I get a hot tub? That's like the social, the social aspect of the game is so great, and not to say this couldn't be replicated in TSO because I think that has, is going to have, or will have, or does have housing, but the social aspect of 14 is so accommodating. Like, you know, there are so many times where there's like 10 people on in our guild and we're all just sort like some people are doing dungeons and they're in the general chat. And, you know, me and Liz and Mike are like crafting and running around the world, getting the crafting supplies we need. And then I'm like, oh, I need flax to make cotton for the weaver. So I'm going to go here and harvest flax. And then we're like hanging out in the guild house and like, you know, moving pictures around and stuff. So the social aspects of the game are really done well, but I don't. You know, we're not really talking about fourteen. But did you guys feng shui all your stuff effectively? Well, we did until I accidentally. I don't know if I said this on the podcast. Yeah. yeah but oh god. I I was crafting today and I got really excited because I got my weaver to fifty, and so I started making stuff, and I made a chocobo flooring. Uh, I didn't realize once you put a flooring down, the other floor is destroyed. So I replaced our regular wood plank floor with a bright yellow floor full of chocobo footprints. And... <laughs> It's absolutely hideous. It is. It is frightening. It is frightening. And it's funny because like there I is have... no god. While that is your floor, I, I just, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just have this screenshot of my character kind of looking at the floor dejectedly, and in the chat, I'm like, "Oh god, you can't cha- change floors. That's going to be a problem." <laughs>
1: Hey, um, i just got a request from a listener to shout at you rob
0: fandango
1: that was from al hizzy i have no idea what the meaning of that is
0: fandango I, I don't get it i don't know there's something to be said i don't there. get it why that's so uh, weird there's a new fandango in the theater uh,
1: uh, all right I, uh, <sighs> my, my happiness is a golden poem i i don't get it that's okay i don't get a lot of
0: things all right, so speaking of uh games that are relevant today since we're talking about, you know, 2-year-old games and we're talking about Persona more than anything else. Uh, how's uh that Final Fantasy 10 HD Remix, guys? Oh, it's man. real
1: good. It's, it's it's good. It's really good. It going to rain? It, yeah. I I think um it took a long time, but I would say that they did a really good job with this remaster. Um it's more than just your it's, you know, it's like Kingdom Hearts. I, I would actually say it's even more um, improved than Kingdom Hearts 1.5 Remix, just in that they, you know, they completely redid a lot of the assets. As I'm sure anybody who's listening probably knows, but um, that sound you hear right now is Steven saying, "Nope." Yeah, well, King- I said Kingdom Hearts, so of course he'll he'll exactly somewhere. <laughs> so, I I just I think they did a really great job of um, retouching a lot of the assets. Some of the minor NPCs still look kind of ugly, like they have really flat textures. But I mean, it's it's really colorful and sharp on the Vita. Um, or are on the ps three on both. It just it looks great. Um, the arranged soundtrack I personally love. I know some people were kind of complaining about it, but I've actually heard from several people who uh, they were like, when I heard the music out of the game, I didn't like it so much, but once I heard it in the game, it worked for me. So I don't know if it's just some combination of the visuals and the music that does it better, but um, I think I think it's great. i uh, I got it for p s three when it came out and I had been playing other games and I was busy and stuff, so I, I hadn't really gotten around to it. And then it was on sale on Amazon for Vita recently, and I was like, you know, what the hell, I'll just buy that too, and maybe I can make more progress while I'm out of the house or whatever. And I've played it like five times more on the go than I've played it in person, and I just really, I mean, it sucks that I had to buy it a second time, but uh, I really like that, and I hope that's a trend that continues, because it's so cool to be able to play a game on my big screen at home and then just take it with me somewhere. Um, And I think that FF10 is pretty well suited to a portable format, um, especially because you can just put it into sleep mode or whatever. But it's the kind of game that it's it's a lot like Persona in that I, I actually enjoy that if I'm on the go and I don't want to do anything serious in the story, I can just sit down and be like, all right, I want to grind out a few sphere levels or whatever. Um, and FF Ten, I you know, has always been one of my favorite Final Fantasies. I I just I like the characters, I like the the world. Um, Spear is a really pretty place, and I like I like the combat. I like I love the sphere grid. Um, it's a big part of why I enjoyed like Monochimia. I don't know if you had ever tried that steven um, i think you said you played monocamia right
0: yeah i really it's, liked it too actually yeah, like, yeah. i it's funny because my, my friend ross played it um on ps2 and i watched i was like oh cool i heard that's coming out on psp i'll play it there and the ps oh, version was terrible so yeah. i went and played it on the playstation but
1: monocamia is cool because it kind of hawked the sphere grid but i i, I liked it you know
0: they let hard. you have the sphere grid open from the very start now don't they yeah, Since it's, it's the still... international version
1: yeah, so they have the expert sphere grid now, which is um, it's it's a it's just a different layout of the sphere grid, and everything. Everybody starts pretty close to the center, and they still have their own paths, kind of. But their paths have a lot more branches, and you can basically from the start of the game be like, "All right, I want I want Lulu to be a physical attacker, because that's weird," um, and you can do that. You do have there. There's a little bit of restriction in that you need some uh, uh, key spheres to unlock some of the the, the locks that are in place. But for the most part, you can very much just be like, "Yeah, I want to build this character differently, so that's what I'm going to do," and that's something that I'm, I mean, I like the I like the focused character progression of FF10. Don't get me wrong, but it's cool that on my second playthrough, or you know, or third or fourth, whatever playthrough this is, um, now I can do weird things, and I really appreciate that. Like I would still probably recommend the regular sphere grid to people if it was their first time, but having the option to be kooky is super cool.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, also, so I want to put you guys on the spot. Oh. Um, Final Fantasy X is not my very favorite Final Fantasy, but it's up there. Um, I want to you know ask. What you,
0: well, is, if you ask me what my fi- favorite Final Fantasy is I right want, now, I'm gonna punch you in I the throat. I want your top five. I want your top. What? Three. I don't think I yep. have. To, I don't think I have five. Okay, give me your top three. Okay, so I'll, I'll start.
1: My top three is. It's really tough, but I'm gonna say FF six, followed by FF seven, and then. My number three spot is probably tied between FF12 and FF10. And I I say tied because I wanted to mention FF10 since that's what we were talking about. Uh, but it's really close between 12 and 10 for my number three spot. All right, Rob, I want you to go next. No, no, no. Steven goes next. <laughs> right, Steven goes next. Um,
0: from first to last, I would say nine tactics, 14, 7, and 10. Nine? I, I have to process all this. Nine yep. tactics. Six. 14. Well, I,
1: wasn't, I wasn't counting tactics because that would be... I, I just meant Oh, like, so
0: we're talking only numbered ones? Only numbered games? No, I'm, tactics I'm, has to be included. <laughs> it has I, to be. If we're talking yeah. numbered Final Fantasies only. I Steven, can I just point out for a real quick second that you did not include six in your list? We we are, no, I all, didn't. But I mean, I, I love no six. Longer we are no. no longer friends. We are no longer friends. Here's the thing. I love six, but I wouldn't rather play six than any of the other ones I just mentioned. I, I think you are a moron and Frank, <laughs> and you are a non-person to me now. <laughs> Look what I just started. Well, here, not here, invincible. I'm, I'm going to help you out now that Tactics is removed. Nine, 14, seven, ten, and six. And I would tie, I would, I would tie uh, ten and six you, because six has an infinitely I, better cast than ten, in my opinion, and a more interesting story, but ten is way more fun to play. I'd i i actually Rob Rob I, is like you're having you're trouble you're you're composing himself you're a war criminal to me right now <laughs> <laughs> like we need Nuremberg trials for this oh my god Final Fantasy 6 did you just compare me picking Final Fantasy 6 <laughs> to atrocities committed by the Nazis in World War 2 yes actually I just did oh boy we are gonna earn us some friends on the message boards this way hey, I'd like to point out that I didn't make that comparison i uh, wow final fantasy 6 is like one of the greatest games ever made the fact that you would put it six is great i'm not saying it's not you shut your horror mouth six is also <laughs> so disappointed with you six it- is also six six has a great cast and it's awesome and i would put it probably actually i would say plot wise and character wise above 10 but i'd rather play 10 the battle system in 10 is better than six I didn't know that I had the potential
1: to be such a fire
0: starter. It, it, must, it must hurt to be so wrong. Like, <laughs> I, I can only imagine what your brain must be doing right now. Everyone else is like, did he put an MMO in his list? And I'm like, yeah, he did.
1: It's yeah, he really did. good.
0: Yeah, he did. 14 is one of the best Final Fantasies ever made. Which is funny, because it used to be one of the worst. <laughs>
1: yep. it was I think it was, bar none, like, the worst. I mean, even worse than 2. I <laughs>
0: Like, 2... I know. Oh God! And again, it's yeah, you weird. like two. You are a what's worker. it like to be wrong? Oh my God! Uh, two was fun. Uh, we talk all the time about how developers need to not be afraid to make games that you can break. Two is a game that you can break. Yeah, but <laughs> you it's... break it by smashing your own party in the face with a brick. That's hilarious. Yeah, I guess that means whenever your mage is not doing anything for that turn, just have her beat herself in the face uh, uh, or himself in the face. Mine was a girl, but. You know, whoever you chose to make a mage. I am just, I'm so angry with you right now. We're not friends anymore. Anyway,
1: Final Fantasy X HD, it's uh, its good. In case you were wondering if it is Hey, a wait, what master. are yours? Damn you it. You don't Damn get a <laughs> worm
0: out of this. <laughs> I was hoping Rob I was and Derek fine. have to provide their list, too. Are, we're are we not allowed to include I, I already provided mine. Right. Yeah, 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 Derek provided his. Yeah, let's go. Oh, on Rob didn't. Up. Oh, shut up. Uh, <laughs> wait a minute. Um, are we not allowed to include tactics?
1: I mean, like
0: I—it's I, my we're guy just
1: listing. We're just I informally listing
0: tactics. <laughs> uh, sure, let's include say, tactics. Let's say include tactics, and then provide a list that does not include tactics. No, that's not. Fa- no, that defeats the entire purpose of including tactics. <laughs> uh, if Go I ahead. include tactics, which I am choosing to do, uh, five favorite <laughs> fantasies tactics six. Oh boy, uh, seven. Even though I think it's actually absolutely bat crap crazy, but that's one of the reasons I love it. What does that break me up to three? Um, and then I guess I'd have to go nine and ten. Okay. And ten, ten story. I I think that it's very, it's become very, uh, very in vogue to crap on ten story because of things like the Spoony experiment, Noah Antwiler's series on Five phase Ten. That story just rock stupid. I don't like that guy, man. I I I'm, I think he's gotten a little I think he's gone over the edge on some things but I do agree with him that Final Fantasy X's story makes absolutely no sense. Like it, if you it's if you kinda, nitpick, know, if, you nitpick if you nitpick if you nitpick an early 2000s JRPG you're going to find plot holes. But if you accept it for what it is, it actually is kind of an entertaining story. I I don't know. I I don't think it's a very good story but I, I, that game well, I'm playing he, Here's why I think it's interesting like Think of the the, like the thrust of the narrative intent. It's so different from the other ones. Like there's this monster that's like hunting you and you're on this like religious pilgrimage. Like the overall story I actually really like and I love the fact that it ends on a downer. We actually talked on a previous show about how like the downer ending of Final Fantasy X is masterful, which makes Final Fantasy X two feel like just an absolute uh, atrocity. It, was, it just negates everything that happened in 10 and that was so impactful and emotional my problem is that the moment to moment stuff of like Yuna constantly getting captured and the dumb moves that they make really it, it, the overall crux of the story I like but the details of the story I actually have a hard time with like it, there, there's some parts that just don't make any sense but the overall idea of like sin and that part of the game I actually really like if that makes sense, it's the details I don't like. No, I think that makes sense. Yeah, it's like when you don't like an episode of The Sopranos or something because like the characters do something stupid, but you still like The Sopranos. If that makes sense, I use The Sopranos because that's well, I w- to use something I- a little bit more recent, not well, The Sopranos. I did want to use Game to of Thrones because you're a hipster and you don't like it. Uh, no, I would. I would. I was gonna say Breaking Bad because there are episodes of Breaking Bad where you're like, all right, that was dumb, but. The overarching storyline and the arc of the characters is very compelling. Well, that's better than The Walking Dead, which is both very, very dumb and I have no interest in the characters now. (laughs) Like, I love how the internet exploded, Legendary Ring. I love how the uh, internet exploded over, like, you know, a, a big thing happening between two characters and like, oh my god, I can't believe they did that on television. Jackie and I just looked at each other like, did you get any emotional response out of that? Nope. Okay, I guess we're cold and dead inside. That's good to know. Summon a treasure goblin who picks up normal quality items for you after picking Ah, the knight, puzzle box. He drops a rare item with a chance for a legendary. Wow. It's the puzzle box. It's in, he's, he's okay. I've never seen him drop anything good. But... You're losing focus, man. I know. Focus, focus, focus. Uh, I'm sorry. We're talking about a game that is from when I was in 10th grade.
1: What, FF10? Yeah. Yeah, it was a while ago. I was in 10th... I mean, No, I mean, if we're, I feel like I've said all i need to say about it. i mean you know final fantasy 10 is final fantasy 10 that's some tautology right there uh the you know we've we played it we we know it's it's a good game yes it is and, uh this is a the the thing that i wanted to drive home is this is a good update to it so yeah i'm glad it exists at last and now i i just read that it sold like two hundred thousand copies in the u.s so hopefully i think that's pretty good i don't know I don't know what their expectations were, but um, I hope this paves the way for FF12 International Zodiac Job System HD. Because holy crap,
0: that would be amazing portable.
1: I want that so bad. It would be amazing. Period. But yes,
0: they. Uh, I mean, this might be something for news, but they did just announce that they broke two million subscribers on 14 as well.
1: Nice. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's it's no Which joke how good it is, and the people are obviously proving that by by subscribing. So.
0: They have five. They still regularly average five hundred thousand people playing like regularly per day. Wow, that's <laughs> such a good success story for them. Like I'm so happy. They they well, just... Yoshida is an absolute genius. Like Naoki Yoshida
1: is the man.
0: Is he making Final Fantasy 15? <laughs> he should be. He's not. Yeah, the... I, I think that's. Yeah, you know, we. I,
1: I want to see him involved in a future title, like a future uh, mainline title. Absolutely. I mean, he's going to be pretty busy running this because. I think he said he has like a ten-year roadmap for this, so there's there's a lot of stuff planned for fourteen. But I would still love to see him involved in some way in a, in another mainline title because I just I just think he absolutely gets what makes games good. Um, like he he's very much a player first and a dev second, and I think that that shows in in his gameplay or like in his development style. Um, I, I just love what he does. He's so good.
0: Nice, nice. What happens if you meet him at E3? Or are you just going to lose it? It's Squeal. I saw him. Uh, he was right at E3 there. last year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't get to talk to him, but he was there. Um, I, I th- briefly talked to one of the, I forget who it is, um, but I say briefly, I mean, like, like we exchanged a sentence each. Um, I think FoxClon, he's one of the other devs. Um, but I would love to meet Yoshida. I mean, my Japanese isn't good enough yet, but I'd be like, yo, what up? Your stuff is hella sugoi. We should I wouldn't ask if we can talk to them. Sugoi. because Yeah, that would be awful.
0: Alright, are you guys prepared to move on to news? Yeah, can we talk about uh, in MMO news, the World of Darkness MMO got cancelled and in other news, the sun came up this morning. I don't, I don't
1: even, know even know what, what you're
0: that talking was. About. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Yeah, that was uh, the MMO that was in development by the EVE Online guys that had been in development for about eight years. Oh, wow. And just got... Yeah, canceled. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. Yeah, that's a shame. I I, I like my help. White Wolf uh, RPGs. I, I'm a fan of. Uh, anytime I get to talk about Vampire, The Masquerade, Bloodlines is a good day on the podcast, and just really frustrates me that they haven't been able to do anything with that property. And you know, damn. Just, I'm sorry. It just bums me out. Just bums me out. Like, you know. I, th- I think they had, to, they released some screenshots, and I think that they were trying to do some interesting stuff. But man, that MMO var- market is just so volatile right now. Like, you know, how long before The Elder Scrolls Online is free to play? Like, yeah, seriously. I, I
1: feel like I honestly feel like 14 is going to be dominating the MMO scene for a while. I mean, it, it appeals to the more like you know the Japanese gaming fan, but it has a lot of really awesome modern conveniences and and wide stream a uh, mainstream appeal slash wide appeal as well. But I feel I feel like the main forces in the MMO market for a while to come are going to be FF14 and then whatever Blizzard does next. Yep, yep. So anyway, other news. Um, so I love me some Atelier Atelier, and I guess I'll always just say both whenever I bring it up. Uh, they announced the next one at last. It's Atelier Shally, which makes me laugh. Oh my God! Are they <laughs> just uh, they've, got
0: they've got they've got to be having fun with us at this point. Probably
1: so this is the 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 third and final title in the dusk trilogy meaning so the first one was atelier aisha second one is uh, eska and lodgy and then the third one is shali so it's once again gonna have two protagonists um this time they're both girls and one of them um they're both basically they both have names that can be shortened to Shally. there's like uh and charlotte so that's the meaning of the name i guess um one of them has a more serious story. The other one's a little bit more lighthearted, a la typical Atelier. And for the first time in the series, it has a, like, a 3D um, maneuverable camera. So I, I forget what else you would call it, like, what the actual term is for that. Uh, so you can actually, like, move, pan the camera around 360 degrees, which I think is really cool, because in the past Atelier games, have always had these fixed camera angles, which I'm not, like, I don't have a problem with that, but I really like the world design of this one, um... So I appreciate that it's going to be a little bit more open for exploration. So it looks cool. Um, We haven't missed an Atelier game in the last, like, I don't know how many years. So I'm sure it'll come here eventually. Um, Eska and Logi just came out here. So I would expect to see this come out in the U.S. next year around March-ish. So hopefully it does. It looks really good. Looks, Looks like it takes a lot of the stuff, like the best stuff from Meruru and Aisha and throws it all together maru maru i love maru i think Marugamesh. it's maru i love maru gamesh uh so borderlands 2 was finally like given a date for vita so that's going to be coming out on may 13th and it's going to have it's going to come in a bundle rather um, alongside the new version of the vita and the vita version comes with the dlc packs. so it comes with uh, captain scarlet uh, mr torg's campaign of carnage the psycho and the Necromancer classes, and like a couple of other
0: item packs. I think it, Steven, you and I got to give that another try. I think at some point, because that is a game you're supposed to play with people. So uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful game. They, you know, they just finally released the final DLC pack for. Because they've been doing these things called headhunter packs, which are like sort of smaller DLCs that are really neat. They each add like one or two areas and some new bosses. But like, that's a game that has been supported like crazy. Yeah. I really want to try the Psycho class. Do you think I would like him? I love the Master. They're pretty they're pretty funny. Uh like the Psycho is a really bizarre class, but he's pretty fun. Like what makes him so bizarre? I forget. Uh well, he gets he's a move a called Blood Rage, where his vision gets worse and worse as he runs around because he gets covered in blood because his melee attack is him slicing people to death and he gets like <laughs> obscenely strong doing it. Okay. I like that. I love the Macromancer. I just felt like the Macromancer was what that game needed, like an interesting character class that played so fundamentally different. Yeah, the the, the Psycho is very different from the other kinds of class. Like, you, you still use guns and all, but, like, he gets, like, a stick of dynamite. Like, he gets, um, not to go into too much detail, but he gets a lot of moves that play with his down state, like if you get knocked out by an enemy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he, like rather than swinging a sword, he gets sticks of dynamite that blow up. Or, like, he gets a move where he can 1,000% damage or something. And if you kill somebody with it, you get revived. Nice. I yeah, was
1: that the other day with uh, my buddy Greg. So maybe I'll get to that stuff eventually. Or maybe not. Uh, whatever.
0: You should join yeah. us. We should all play it.
1: We should. It's fun. So uh, beyond that, this is one that I feel like you guys are going to launch into a huge discussion about this one. But there's uh, there were some... <laughs> things that Square Enix addressed. Um, this was probably like a week and a half ago. So basically Square Enix kind of uh, said that no, Final Fantasy x is not in development. Um, or Yoshinori Kitase at least said that. So they said that they didn't rule out the existence of a X-3 in the future, but it's not going to be happening anytime soon, if ever. Um, be- because the, the radio drama thing in Final Fantasy Ten hd Sort of hints at the existence of a ten three but I guess they for now they're not going to be doing anything like that, so um, they also said that development of Final Fantasy Fifteen and Kingdom Hearts Three are flowing smoothly, and we should be expecting some new details about them soon. I think that means that we'll uh, probably get new trailers at e three at least i hope
0: i i would I would expect to see a trailer at e three for fifteen and possibly like we're going to announce the release date at Tokyo Game show oh uh, i, I Sorry, Steven. It's it. It must be nice to live in your little fantasy land. I, there is I, no I, I personally still think that game is going to come out late this year in Japan. You're you are uh, bat crap bonkers, my friend. I feel like I'm just harassing you today, but <laughs> it must it must suck to be that wrong. Honestly, like there's hey, no way. Hey, you know what? In your defense, whenever you've been wrong, the 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 multiple times that you've been wrong i've rubbed it in your face so i would do the same thing <laughs> i'll say this i think final fantasy 15 next summer i, can, I, I could I, summer. I also don't think that's unreasonable like yeah. i think it's possible we could see it late this year in japan but i also could easily see it being you know sometime next year too legendary ring okay
1: uh Rob, all right so also <laughs> um, oh, and then another another little tidbit was that they uh Mitsunori Takahashi said that he definitely wants to make a new Dissidia title and that makes yes! me... gleeful Sleeful! Because I love Dissidia forever. Ah, um, and so I guess we, we actually covered the second one because it had a lot of RPG elements. Man, I love me some Dissidia. Uh, we I should really play it. That. So, yeah, we should. Well, it's kind of a pain. But yeah, we should. Play it at E3. What, new Decidia? Dissidia?
0: The city of city oh like Duo if I bring mine <laughs> yeah. okay. decimal system I, got <laughs> I mean I have mine the Dewey decimal know. system the city of the Dewey decimals
1: yep um, so Aniplex is bringing the Persona three movie out here in North America which is really cool except it costs sixty dollars for what? some yeah for the, for for a subtitled Blu ray of the first Persona three movie. Um, there's going to be a regular edition for sixty bucks, or a collector's edition for eighty, and the collectors will have like a soundtrack CD, cover art, deluxe booklet, stickers, and art cards.
0: Isn't it only half of the first half of the movie? Yeah, and I think
1: I want to say, I thought they were making three. I don't know if it's two or three Persona three movies, but um, it's coming out in July, I think. Yeah, because the uh the second movie is coming out in Japan like right after that. So, Color
0: me a very skeptical person that they are charging that much money for. Th- right? Like not I really want an entire film.
1: I want to see it, but well, I mean it's a, it's an entire film. They just split it into two two parts to do the story justice, which I'm fine with. It doesn't feel uh, like, okay. It doesn't feel like a milking to me. Um, they actually just wanted to focus on like the first arc, I guess, and then. I really wanted, need to beat that game. Yeah, you should Persona really Three. Great. Yeah,
0: I never beat Persona Three. Like it just, I, I had to go to graduate. It has a
1: really that's good that's ending.
0: That's, that's what, what I happened.
1: heard. Yeah. So anyway, so that's coming out here. I mean, I'm glad it's coming out here, but why sixty dollars? I don't know. Yeah, that's a little weird. whatever. So, um, there was a, a Famitsu article. I think it was the last Famitsu uh, revealed a new RPG called Lost Dimension. That looks um,
0: really
1: cool. Yeah, it's being developed by Furu, who did like Unchained Blades, among other things, and like I think Shining Force. One of the newer Shining Forces. I don't remember which. Feather. They were. They were.
0: They were SMT four developers too, weren't they?
1: uh i don't i don't know i don't think so it looks like smt4 but i don't know if they were in on it um they might have been i'm not sure but oh i see yeah from the programmers of smt4 so yeah i'm really good at reading my news articles so yeah <laughs> it's a, it's a new game coming out for vita um ps3 and vita rather it's coming out in august in japan um uh, no u.s release announced seeing as they just revealed it in Famitsu. but it's basically just like um a Shin Megami Tensei 4-esque looking game. Um, it has a very similar aesthetic. Uh, characters in blue uniforms that are psychics uh, slash telepaths. And they're going into dungeons and fighting uh, monsters. I, I really don't know. There's not much information on it. But it looks pretty cool. Uh, there's a They're exploring a s- structure called the Pillar. And they are uh, confronting some threat of monsters. And there's a guy called The End. Who is a mysterious man that welcomes the world's destruction. Quote. This... Yes. Is the so, end. Yeah, so, I mean, it looks it looks decently cool. Uh, we have a couple of screenshots in our news story if you want to check them out. But not much more info on that. And my final news story of the day is that Tales of Hearts R was confirmed for a North American localization. And I, I think European as well. Uh, but it's it's coming out in English, basically. So that's pretty cool. It's coming out here this winter. Tales of Hearts R was the PlayStation Vita remake of Tales of Hearts, which was originally released on the original DS um, the original release had two editions. It had an anime edition and a CG edition, and the only real differences were the cut scenes and, like, the character portraits. So, this is, I mean, Hearts Era is, like, I guess based on the anime edition, because the CG looked weird.
0: Yeah, I, I actually, um, Ashton let me borrow it last E3, and I've actually finished it. And oh, it's really? good. Yeah, I mean, it suffers from the same thing we were talking about earlier, where the dungeons are kind of just, like, hallways, but the game itself is a lot of fun, and is a portable game, the production value is pretty great on it and the combat system is fantastic so
1: yeah i've I've heard actually some people complaining that that hearts R is worse than original hearts but uh i mean we're getting it and i think i remember watching you play it um last year and i thought it looked really fun like the combat looks really fun and uh the hearts R has a bunch of new stuff including like a completely new character so uh, i mean yeah you know more more tales games here the better really
0: and you know what it is? It's also too, it's you know, it's a pretty it's a pretty high string JRPG on the Vita, so it's one more game to have on Vita, which is
1: And I'm sure it'll be better than Conception. <laughs> Ooh, shots fired. Ouch. So that's it. That's coming out later this year, and that is my last piece of news.
0: All right, all right. So uh E3's coming, ladies and gentlemen. E three is wait. coming. I less am less than two months. I am excited. I'm
1: beyond Excite. I'm Excite Bike. You're Excite Bike?
0: Be... That. that needs to never happen again, Steven. <laughs> Should never play Excite Bike then. Oy. Uh, so, as always, we uh, love it when you guys give us reviews on iTunes. Uh, I read some on the last podcast in a vain attempt to try to get some more people to give us reviews on iTunes, but it didn't happen. So, uh, darn. But we'd love to hear back from you guys. Make sure to post on the message boards. Uh, Make fun of us and all the the times I made fun of Steve in this podcast. But, you know, it's going to hurt when he's so wrong on all of his predictions. Uh, Should we start doing E3 predictions now? No. I feel like we should just start being crazy. We should just start being like, yeah, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen.
1: All right. Um, Persona 6 Dancing All Day announced for Nintendo (laughs) DS Original. Uh buy that. Final Fantasy five being remade for the KitchenAid Blender.
0: For the uh, Xbox one with kinect only controls. <laughs> I love the uh the Blizzard um she calls it, their April Fools are so good. And the one that they did where they had a credit card machine built into their free to play fighting game was just so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. I like that. I like that. and they had all the like the B team heroes including like Jim Rainer's dead wife. <laughs> it was, it was like they are just so funny. I really really like that. Now if only we could get that level of humor into their games. Oh boy. Well, but humor, uh it's not the humor that's the problem. It's the story. No, the storytelling that's the problem. So yeah, thanks again for uh, listening to the podcast and we will see you all later.